I don't ever need you to cheer for me, but, um, but it is pretty fun uh, to be able to step into the pulpit when I know that you're awake, and I know that you're alive, and I know you're ready for, ready for something, right? We'll see what it is, but ready for something. Well, today we're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 12, which makes sense because last week we studied Hebrews chapter 11, and that's what we're doing here in the beginning of 2021. And um, just so that we remember where we're at, what we've been doing, what I've been doing with you these last number of months is just remembering that each of these chunks of Hebrews is not a standalone piece. It's part of this larger book of Hebrews, which is also part of the larger context of Scripture. And we just need to understand where we're at. So, so today, here's what I'd like you to keep in the back of your mind, the question that you can be asking yourself as we go through this sermon, as you think about your questions, as you think about what this means and how to apply it to your life. Here's your question. What do you do? What do you do? And, and sometimes your answer may be helpful or hurtful, but what do you do when you've had enough? When you've had enough. I've had it up to here. I've had all I can take. What? I've had all I can stands, and I can't stands no more. Right? You old people remember Popeye would get to that point like every day, right? Where he would, what do you do when you've had enough? When you've had it up to here? And you can't go on, at least you think you can't go on, what do you do? Today, I think, if we, are, if we are studying this passage faithfully, we're going to find some good tools for knowing what to do and how to deal with it when we get to that place, and we all get there. Some of you are there right now. I've had it. I'm out of here. What do we do when we get to that place where we don't know what to do? So just so we remember where we're at, Hebrews 12, there's a lot of talk about today about perseverance and endurance, and this is not a new theme in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, it said, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, in other words, the writer here of Hebrews, God inspired the writer of Hebrews to remind these Hebrew people and to remind us that the work of Christ on the cross and the work of Christ as he ascended has allowed for us to be close to God, Right? used to be that there was the holy place and the curtain and the most holy place, and, and there was this whole way that the temple was set up. Well, because of what Jesus has done, now we have access to God. We can be close to God, not by our own power, not by anything that we've accomplished, but by the blood of Christ. Hebrews 10 reminds us, verse 19, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest, that is Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The author of Hebrews has already set up that in Jesus Christ and only in Jesus Christ can we have, as it says, our hearts sprinkled so that our guilt can be taken away. All of Hebrews to this point has been pointing to the fact that Jesus is superior Jesus is superior to people. Jesus is superior to any other religious construct that doesn't involve him as the Savior. Jesus Christ is above all. That's the argument that this writer of Hebrews has been putting forward, that God has been telling his people now for two millennia. Jesus Christ, superior to all. And so we're reminded in Hebrews 10, Jesus Christ has opened a way for us to be close to God, has opened a way for us to be in the most holy place. And so it says in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We can hang on because God has given us a promise. Our strength is not so much, but with God and with his Holy Spirit dwelling in us, amazing things can happen. 
That's Hebrews chapter 10. And the end of Hebrews 10 says, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who believe and are saved. And Hebrews chapter 11 goes on to, to give a whole list of those, you remember we talked about this last week, a whole list of people who were commended for their faith. So we, we hear about how, how creation happened, and we believe this by faith. And it talked about what happened with Abel, and talks about stories of things that happened with Noah, and then things with Abraham, and Isaac, and things that happened with Jacob, and then with Moses. All of these stories are, are, are summarized very quickly in Hebrews 11, and the writer says that, that all of these people were commended for their faith. Their faith was what God saw in them. And their faith held them in many difficult situations. It says in Hebrews 11.35, I know we're doing a lot of review, but we have to remember this if we're going to understand the rest of Hebrews. In Hebrews 11.35, it says, women received back their dead, raised to life again. That's, that's something. Others, though, Hebrews 11.35, others were tortured and refused to be released. This is faithful people. These are God's people, okay? Faithful people, but they were tortured refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. They were making sure that they didn't turn away from God because they knew that even if their bodies died, they would be able to have an inheritance with God in the future. They were tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These are people of faith. It says in Hebrews eleven thirty nine, these were all commended for their faith. They went through hard times, difficult things. Their, their faith didn't protect them or save them from difficult situations, but their faith carried them through. It says, but none of them had received yet what had been promised. In other words, the Messiah hadn't come yet. Jesus didn't yet arrive during their lives. Chronologically speaking, God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The writer of Hebrews says again, Jesus Christ is the pinnacle, the capstone, the epitome of all that God is doing here. And so now we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 12 because some of us need to hear what's being said here. It says, therefore, referring to all that, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 11, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are these witnesses? It's all these people who are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. By the way, this great cloud of witnesses probably also includes people who have not been listed in there because for 2,000 years there have been Christ followers who have been living by faith, who have been commended for their faith. For 2,000 years since the writing of this scripture, there have been more people who have been encouraging us to be faithful. You can think of some of these folks, right? For some of you, it's your mother or your father who, who showed you faith. They, they lived a faithful life. They encouraged you to live that way. Some of you have memories of a grandfather or a grandmother. Maybe, maybe they were really faithful in the way that they lived in one way or another, but you saw that and it touched you. They are part of this great cloud of witnesses, these, these people who have gone before us, who have pressed on in their faith. Maybe it was a, a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a preacher or a pastor. Maybe it was that person, that camp counselor who led you to the Lord. Many of you have a picture of someone, right? That faithful one, that example. Well, that's, that's kind of included here. This great cloud of witnesses were surrounded. 2,000 years ago, they were surrounded. So many more faithful people have died since then. We have this great cloud of witnesses. 
Since they're here, since these people have gone before us, since they've lived faithfully for God, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Since they've been able to press through, let us, let us press through as well, not getting hung up on all this stuff that would hold us back. A couple of weeks ago, I, I cut down some bushes in my backyard. They were yew bushes that have been there forever. I love them. They're a great hedge, but they're starting to die. And so that may be because I didn't maintain them very well. I suspect it's something to do with not me. But these bushes had to come down. And so a couple of weeks ago, I took a saw and I, I cut them off so the root ball was still there in the stem because I didn't know how to get those out yet. But I cut off the tops and I put them in a trail and I took them down. My neighbor has a, has a place down in the woods where we can dump, dump shrubs and leaves and branches and all that kind of stuff. And so I took all these branches down and it was about a month ago and it was pretty easy to just throw them in the woods, no problems. Everything was still kind of brown, not a lot of green yet. Well, yesterday, I finally figured out how to get the stumps out of the ground, and so I did that, and my neighbor helped me, and we put them in a trail, and we drove out to the woods, and, and when we were unloading the stumps, all of a sudden, it was a different place. It had gotten really green in the last couple of weeks, and there were thorns and thistles now where they hadn't been before. You know how that is. Those of you who like to be outside, those of you who like to be in the woods, all of a sudden, it's springtime, right, and things are different, and so now I'm trying to drag these root balls off of the off of the trailer and into this pile where we have all this stuff that's, that's just going to eventually disappear. And, and it's hard enough to, to drag these heavy things. I got as much dirt out as I could, but it's big old bushes and, and dragging these things off. And then, and then I had briars all over my legs, and I wish I was tough. I just wish I was a person that was tough, but it hurt. I just had, one, had a pair of jeans on. I didn't have it. And it hurt. Not only that, but a couple times the briars actually tripped me so that I, I'm trying to do my work. But, and it's exactly what's being talked about here. I think it's, it, you know, spiritually speaking, throw off all that hinders. It's get those thistles, weeds, get that stuff out of your life. There's a metaphor there somewhere that can be stretched even further into Genesis. But the writer of Hebrews and God says, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles we know that sin wraps us up. Now, Jesus Christ allows for us to have access to God. Jesus Christ, our great high priest, lets us go to the most holy place. But, but then we step back into our sin sometimes, and it, it, come, it tangles us up. It hinders us, right? But since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let that encourage us to throw off that stuff, to leave that sin behind us. We can be forgiven of our sins. We can be given new life because of Jesus Christ. This stuff doesn't have to continue to dog us because we're not alone. We've got a Holy Spirit now working inside of us that's, that's sanctifying us, raising us up, making us better. We, we, we still all make mistakes. We still are stuck with this flesh. But you see what we're encouraged to do here. We're encouraged to throw off because it is possible to throw off everything that hinders we're encouraged to leave this sin behind because it's possible to do that. We wouldn't be told to do it if it was impossible to be done. No, with Jesus Christ, this is possible. And so I could go on talking about this for a long time. I'm going to take a time out right now. You may have something going on in your life. You may have unforgiven sin at the moment that's on your mind. And maybe there's something that you need to bring to Jesus Christ. Maybe right now you're feeling far away from God because your conduct has, has brought the, this sin that so easily entangles between you and the Lord. Maybe these briars of sin are holding you back. So we're going to pause for a moment, and I just want to give you a minute to be quiet. Bow your head.
And if, if you have anything you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of, ask him. It doesn't have to be out loud. It might be, but just silently pray to God. And, and if you've got something that's on your mind or on your heart that you need to be, ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. Hebrews has been very clear that Jesus Christ, our high priest, he forgives us when we ask. So let's take a moment and just be quiet. Let's practice what this is talking about. Let's, let's throw off this sin that so easily entangles. Let's call out to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness. Go ahead, take a minute. Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross so that our hearts can be sprinkled and we can be made pure. Thank you, God, for loving us that much. Help us now as we move forward in this study and in our lives. Help us to be free of this sin that so easily entangles. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Sue, could you mute this monitor if it's not muted already? just feel, feel a, lot of, a lot of echo up here. Thank you. So here we got this passage in Hebrews 12.1. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Before we move on, I want to say one more thing about this great cloud. You might call it a great crowd. Lots of us preachers stumble on that sometimes because we're talking about the same thing. A great cloud of witnesses. There is a great crowd of witnesses. There is something about having someone else around that can be so helpful. Have you ever noticed any, any celebrities, I'm thinking especially of, of actors, actresses, and musicians, have you noticed any of these people that have gone through amazing physical changes for either the role that they want to take on, or maybe they have a hit record and all of a sudden, you know, they, like, like one year when they had their great record, they look something like me, and then like year number two, they come back like looking like this jacked person with like zero body fat and they've got muscles. Have you ever noticed how that happens sometimes? Have you noticed how some of these doughy guys that sometimes play comedy roles, all of a sudden they show up in like a superhero role? And you're like, wow, that guy has abs. How'd that happen? Have you noticed? And, and then you hear stories about how, well, they, you know, they, 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 they hit the big time and they wanted to change their image and then they hired a personal trainer, Right? And, of course, if, if, you're, if you're in that kind of work and if you're investing in your body that way, you can hire a personal trainer and a nutritionist and a dietitian and somebody to, like, make that all. And I just thought, you know, if there was somebody who could, who could come to my house and cook me, like, the optimally perfect meal all the time and then yell at me to exercise, I could probably look like that in a year, too. But it doesn't happen because I don't employ people to do that for me, and I've told Melanie not to do that for me. But there's something about having someone coaching you, encouraging you, challenging you that makes a difference in the things that we can do physically, right? We're talking here in Hebrews 12. We're going to see in, in the end of verse 1, it says about we should run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. There are these, these connections to athletics, connections to physical and athletic endurance. But this great cloud of witnesses is set up here in Hebrews 12 as these people who have lived by faith and, and now somehow this great cloud helps us to move forward in our walk with the Lord. Apparently, I think many of you could say amen, but having someone else around, a good someone else, can be so helpful to do the things that we want to do. 
This is why people sometimes sign up for the gym instead of trying to do it in their own basement, because if they go to the gym and there are other people around, you're more likely to stick with it, right? This is why people sign up for CrossFit classes. There's nothing you can do at CrossFit that you can't do at home except have all those people around you making you feel embarrassed if you don't keep up, right? It keeps pushing you. I can remember 10 or 12 years ago, so I was a little smaller than I am now, but 10 or 12 years ago, I was still a bigger guy, and I had a buddy that was a skinny guy. And he was one of those skinny athlete guys that's just the most annoying, just terrible people. Uh, uh, Let me take that back. People that I envy very much, and so it helps me to call them terrible people. No, this is the kind of guy, and he told me this one time, it blew my mind. He was, uh, when he was in college, a mentor of his challenged him to run a marathon that was happening in two days. He hadn't been training, wasn't on the track team. His mentor just said, hey, this marathon's coming up, why don't you go run it? And he said, well, I've never run a marathon, I've never, never trained. And the, the, the mentor said, that's fine, just drink a gallon of water tomorrow so that you're super hydrated when the marathon comes up. And so that's what he did, and he went and ran the marathon. Like, he finished the whole thing. This is the kind of guy I'm talking about. He asked me to go mountain biking with him. Now, I don't have a mountain bike. When I was a kid, I rode a lot of bicycle, and I could do a wheelie, and I was pretty good at that. But he asked me to go mountain biking with him, and because I'm a moron, I said, yeah, let's, let's go. And so he wanted to go to White Clay Creek. I'd never been to White Clay Creek, this, the state park down in Delaware. He said, let's go ride. He said, I said, yeah, let's go. And he, he, he knew who I am and knew what I could do. But I didn't really understand what I was getting into until I got to the place where we were leaving from. It wasn't his house. It was a friend of, a friend of his who had bikes. And what I mean by had bikes is I walked into his basement and there was a whole row of bikes. I don't know a lot about bikes, but I know they were all more expensive than the car that I drove to this guy's house. This guy had bikes. And, and my buddy said, you're going to ride this one? I said, cool. And I figured, and he said, do you have any shoes? I said, well, I'm wearing shoes. He said, no, you need clipless bike pedal shoes. I said, I don't have any of this. He said, well, here, let me get some. And he goes over to the closet and got some in my size. This is the guy that I'm going biking with. He says, do you have any biker shorts? I said, no. No, I, I, don't have, I don't have any bike. And he said, well, here, you're going to want these. He said, put these under your... I was wearing cargo shorts. He's like, put these under your cargo shorts. And he gave me, like, biker shorts. They were spandex, but they had some extra pads where you might need a pad if you're going to ride a bike for a while. And I said, all right. And so now I'm wearing another man's shoes, another man's underpants, and I'm getting ready to hop on another man's bike to go riding at White Clay Creek State Park. Here we go. We went out and started to ride, and, and it was a great bike, and he was a very good rider, and he was kind of leading, we had to ride on the road a little bit to get, we got there, and we started to ride, and we're going in, and it was, this is like pretty intense, like, uh, you, you know, we're not going to be on like ESPN or anything, but like we're through the woods, and ups and downs, and some jumps, and went over this log that wasn't very long over a high creek, and I made it, and I didn't fall, and I'm thinking, hey, this is going okay, you know, it, it was kind of fun, and, and I know he was going slow for me, but I could keep up, and I wasn't embarrassing myself, I only fell over once. And, you know, we're, we're kind of going through. And we rode for a while. And I'm starting to get tired, and I'm thinking, all right, you know, we're going in a loop or something here because I didn't know where I was at. And we got down to the bottom of this hill, and, um, and he said, how are you feeling? I said, oh, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm thinking we're about done. You know, I'm drinking, finishing off my water that was in the water. And uh, he said, yeah, we're halfway. <sighs> and what I didn't realize is that halfway means that we are now at the bottom of the hill. And now we have to go back up the hill that we've been riding down for the last hour. And so we turned around, and, and I, it, was, it just killed me. It was really hard. I mean, technically I could do this stuff, but I'm in, like, low gear the whole time, just, like, pedaling furiously to go one mile an hour. 
And he was waiting for me. He'd, he was very gracious. And we got back up. We went through the woods. I'm thinking, oh, we're almost there. And then, oh, wait, no, there's that log. And we went over the log. And then we did this jump. And, and I'm just praying, God, just give me strength. And I'm dying. You know, just dying. But I'm with my buddy. I mean, I can't, I can't say I'm going to walk back. You know, I mean, I've done that before, but I didn't even have shoes that I could walk in. Clipless bicycle shoes, wearing bicycle shorts. I'm, I'm not letting anybody see me. I need to get back home as soon. And so, and so I'm, just, I'm just going. And, and we got to this one spot. We took a, a quick break, and he said, hey, we're almost home. We have one more climb, and then we'll be home. I said, all right, let's go. And so he let me go first, and he was, like, right on my back tire. And I'm in, like, the lowest gear going up this really narrow trail. It's a little bit rocky. It's uphill for, like, I didn't really count. It was about 74 miles is it was uphill. And, um, and, and he was right there. And, and this is the first time, really, through the whole ride that he began talking to me. And he was right there, and he said, <laughs> he said all right, keep going. You got this. You know, like, nothing over the top, nothing corny, because I wasn't in the mood for that. You know, I didn't need a fake cheerleader. He's like, get out of here if that's what you're going to do. But he was right. He's just like, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. Like, just over this next little hill, and we're there. And then we get over the next little hill, and he lied. There was another one, you know. But, but he was great. Like, he was, you got this. And I just kept pedaling. I'm like, I can't stop now. He, he's right there. You know, we're certainly, okay, I can keep going. And, and you know how it is. A couple of you, if you're a runner, if you're a biker, if you've ever tried to exercise at all, you know you get to that spot and you're like, I don't know if I have anything left. <sighs> I can do one more pedal. And it was just misery. I mean, terrible, terrible times. Why anybody rides a bike? I don't know. But we got to the top of the hill. We got there. And, and I kid you not, the only, I would have never made it had I been by myself. I'd have given up, and I'd have figured some way out of that woods. But he was right there, and he said, let's go. And we hit the pavement, and it felt like we were on wind. I mean, it was so easy. And we got back home, and he said, you want to go out for lunch? I said, no. I just want to go home. I just wanted a shower and to die. It was just <laughs> miserable. I made it because of him. I made it because of him. Now, you might say, well, you had the strength in your body, and you, okay, but there's something in my mind that needed him to, to get me through, and he did. Why do I tell you that long, meandering story right now? In all sincerity, I think this is what Hebrews 12 is reminding us of. You may not always be able to see it. You might not be able to see Noah right on your back wheel saying, you've got this, go ahead. I worked on the ark for 120 years and people made fun of me. You can do this. You may not have the biker right there, but we're told there is a great cloud of witnesses provided by God to encourage us forward. We're told in other parts of scripture, we're told to encourage each other and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Here in Hebrews 12, we are surrounded. It doesn't say if we're surrounded. It says since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, encouragers, a crowd cheering for God and pushing us forward in our faith. Since we're surrounded, let us throw off all the other stuff that hinders, all the sin that so easily entangles. Do you get the picture here? It says that we should run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Some versions say the author and perfecter of faith. We must run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. You can underline if you want to. If you're, if you're a person who likes to run, you can underline the run with perseverance. You can relate to that. That'll help stick in your mind. The part of verse 1 that I've underlined is the part marked out for us. Because here's one of the dangers that happens when, when we misapply Hebrews chapter 12. 
And you're going to see this if any of you go to any graduation ceremonies in the next month. You're going to see somebody stand up and they're going to, have a, they're going to mean well and they're going to really have tried and they're going to, they're, they will have gone over their speech and had a teacher look at it and had a parent look at it and their speech will be terrible because they're going to base it on something like this. Follow your dreams. Right? It's that stereotypical graduation speech. Follow your dreams. Dig down deep and be, be the best you that you can be in all those kinds of cliches. You're going to be hearing people talking about that, and, and here's what you need to remember. Anytime you hear somebody say, follow your dreams, you need to remind them that sometimes their dreams are stupid. Sometimes their dreams are unholy. And sometimes our dreams lead us away from God. You'll notice that this doesn't say in Hebrews chapter 12, run with perseverance the race that you feel like running. Run with perseverance the race that your guidance counselor said would fit you best based on the profile that you took in eighth grade. It doesn't say run with perseverance the race that is going to work out best for you in the short run. This says that we are supposed to run with perseverance. I mean, we're running on God's power, right? To run God's race, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. If any of you, we'll go back to the woods on this one. If any of you have ever walked on a marked trail, you're glad, aren't you, when you see that marker on the tree, whether it's a little shiny thing nailed there or maybe, a, maybe something that's painted on or scratched on, you see it and you know, hey, I'm on the right trail, I'm on the right track, this is going to take me somewhere. That's a lot different, isn't it, than just roaming around in the woods. What this says is follow the path that is marked out for you. Other places in Scripture say that God has prepared good works for us to do before we even knew him. God has a plan for us, and I'm not suggesting that all of us need to just suddenly stop and, and overanalyze and, and, just, and just be petrified with analysis for every little thing that we do. Oh, God, what do you want? You know, there's a lot of freedom in this, but let me remind you that God does have a plan for how you can use your gifts, how you can be called, and how you can be effective for the Lord. This is the race that's marked out for you. This isn't just find a dream that suits you and set your mind on it. That's not what Hebrews is telling us. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and we can throw off our sins so that we can press on and run this race with perseverance that has been marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. What's a pioneer? Oh, Pastor Steve's over, and, over with the Waterway 2.5 today. I'd ask him what a pioneer was. He went to Land Peter Strasburg High School. They're the pioneers. I don't know. It doesn't strike me that there's a lot of pioneers in Land Peter anymore. I think that's pretty well established and explored. What's a pioneer? What's a pioneer? What do they do? A pioneer is a person who, the first one to go. They, they Into that uncharted territory. Let's, let's see what's out there. There's no maps yet. We don't know exactly. Let's go. Let's, Jesus, the pioneer. He shows the way. He blazes the trail. This race marked out for us. And so we're to fix our eyes on him. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And this great cloud of witnesses around us allows us to move forward with the power of God pushing us on in the race marked out for us. Jesus has shown the way. And it says in the second part of verse 2, I know we're moving slowly, but you can see these verses here are loaded. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus could see what he was getting into, especially near the end of his life here on earth. He knew that the cross was on its way. As he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Oh God, if there's another way, if this cup can pass from me, I'd rather not die on the cross. But God, whatever you want, here we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that Jesus, because of what God wanted, because Jesus knew what the result would be, he said, I can go through this. I can endure this. The cross is specifically mentioned, but it's not the only pain Jesus endured. You remember that he also endured beatings and whippings, a crown of thorns and insults and mockery. Jesus was able to press on because he had in mind that which was yet to come. He talked with his disciples about this in John chapter 16. He said, very truly, disciples, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. He's talking about his death, which at this point is going to happen in just a few days. He says, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then there is an illustration that is probably more powerful for some of you than for me. But it says in John 16, 21, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born... She forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into this world. Jesus said to his disciples, so it is with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. No one will take away your joy. Jesus says there are times when you have great pain. But when you get through that pain, the joy, the reward, the inheritance will be worth it in such a way that you won't even remember the pain anymore, much like a woman giving birth to a child. We're told in Hebrews 12, 3, to consider him, this is Jesus, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. I ask you at the beginning what you do when you feel like you've had it, when you've had enough, when you're at the end of your rope. The cliches say, well, when you're at the end of your rope, just tie a knot and hang on. That's always been very helpful for me. Yeah. The cliches say, well, just dig deep. What, what does this say here? No, consider Jesus, who endured opposition from sinners. Consider him so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Apparently, it is possible to grow weary and lose heart, even if we are people of faith. But, but here, if we are able to consider Jesus, this does something for our hearts. It does something for our lives. You want to say strong, not only do we have the examples of all these faithful folks, not only do we have this great cloud of witnesses around us, but we have Jesus Christ. He endured such opposition from sinners. We don't have to grow weary and lose heart. You want to stay strong? Think of Jesus. What we're told here is that simply keeping him in mind can give us two things. It gives us strength and energy and encouragement to be able to press on, and it can give us an ability not to lose heart. Keep thinking about Jesus, and you can stay full-hearted. There's a warning in this, though, too, isn't there? If you don't keep your thoughts on Jesus Christ, if we don't consider the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, we can grow weary and lose heart. And some of us have danced too close to that line, haven't we? When we have been frustrated, and we all get there, when we've been at the end of our line, when, when we just can't take anymore, we don't always only turn to Jesus, do we? I ask you at the beginning, I mean, what are the things that, what are the things that you do to deal with it when you've had enough? Well, we're given here 
we're given here in Hebrews a couple things to remember. Remember that others have gone through this kind of thing. Remember that Jesus is going through this. Remember that there's a great cloud of witnesses encouraging you. Remember Jesus endured bad things too. We've got all this stuff to remember. What do you turn to though? Do you always turn to this? Do you do you do what you can to keep your eyes focused on Jesus? And of course, God has to help us through this as well. We don't just do this on our own. We don't just grit our way through it. But there is a part of us that must be partnering with God for sure. God doesn't want us to grow weary and lose heart. That's why we're told here in Hebrews, consider Jesus. Find your life in him. Put your faith in God. Nothing else is trustworthy. Jesus is better than all that other stuff. Jesus is better than the food that we turn to. Are any of you comfort eaters? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, let's just be honest. What, what do you turn to? Some of you are the opposite of that. Some of you, when you feel frustrated, you're like compulsively exercising, right? Because that's how you, and, and that may help you to blow off some steam, but it doesn't get to the root of the problem, does it? What are, what are the addictions what, what's, what's the drug or the alcohol or the pill or the behavior or the website? Where is it that you go when you're weary? Where is it that you go when you've had enough? We've all, we've all done this, but we don't have to because we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who's made it possible for us to be forgiven of all that stuff, who's, who's sprinkled our hearts, who's given us new life so that we've been reborn. We have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has sent his counselor, the Holy Spirit, to be within us so that, so that we're able to rise above this stuff. We don't have to live the life that we once lived. We're, we're, we were once children of darkness. Now we are children of light. All this stuff that we turn to, do you understand that, that all that is is just medication that eventually doesn't work because we're still going to grow weary and lose heart? That's why we're supposed to consider Jesus. Jesus is the answer for all this. I feel like I was kind of tested in this just this week. This was really odd. Monday or Tuesday, I got a call out of the blue, and it was, um, it was, a, uh, it, it was a, a spam call, but they're getting really tricky because now it doesn't just say unlisted number. Now there's like a fake guy's name on it, and I know it was a fake guy because none of the people I talked to were named Simon. I was told that Simon was called, but I got a call, and, and they said about how I could have, uh, I could have a solar panel system installed on my house because they've been checking out my neighborhood, stalking me on Google Earth probably. And they think that because of the way my house is situated and, be, and because of the, the, the company that I get my electricity from that they can install at no upfront cost to me a solar system on the roof of my house so that in about 20 years my electric is free. Now I know that, I know that they need me more than I need them because, well, they called me. But I was intrigued. Because I've been thinking about solar stuff. Or I've been wondering, how does that work? And, and would that work here? And I have a lot of south-facing rooms. They said, we have people in your neighborhood on Friday morning. Would you be free for them to stop at your house? And I said, yes, I would. Send them over. I'm not going to waste anybody's time. I was genuinely interested in what they were talking about, but I knew I wasn't buying a solar system that morning because Melanie wasn't home. And we make those decisions together. But I listened to Tom and Tony. I listened to them tell me about how it works and this and that, and here's the credits and this, and we were projected to do all this. And, and they had, now you knew they were good salesmen because they had a quote that was good for one year and a quote that was good for today. If you decide today, Mr. Johnson, 
And they were really soft selling it, but they were, they were pretty. And I said, nope, not buying the day. What was really fun is that they sat around my table for a while, and I got to ask them if they went to church. One guy does. The other guy doesn't anymore. Wants to. I got to ask them about their families while they were doing their little calculations and waiting for the engineers to get back to them. That was fun. We had a good time. I was able to keep running my race while they were running theirs. But you know what's funny? At the end of that conversation, they left me with the, they left me with the information, the sheets. There was part of me that was a little bit excited because I thought, ah, I probably won't work with these guys, but this is kind of a cool idea. I'm going to have to look into this. I'm going to have to call another solar guy and see what they, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to this. And, and I had that moment. Have you ever had this? I had that moment where I was like, this might be a great deal. I might be able to eventually, you know, this, this might work out in the end so I can kind of get some free electric for a while. And I have no idea why I was excited about that. I mean, it's always nice to save some money on your electric. But, you know, thinking about the electric money that I might save in 20 years, I mean, is that really what life is made of? Uh, it was just odd as I was, what are the little things that happen in your life that, that try to dash in and steal your hope? What are the little things that you kind of maybe go after and obsess about a little bit too long? And all of a sudden, instead of running your race with perseverance, focus on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of faith, all, all of a sudden you're thinking about, I'm running my race with perseverance, but you know this electric thing was pretty cool. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. We all have these things that we're called to do here on this earth that, that may or may not you know, be obviously super-duper spiritual. Our life needs some of that kind of attention. But there are some of us who are just going from hope to hope to hope, and none of it's about Jesus. And we're just thinking, if I can save money on this next thing, then I'll be set. If I can get to this next spot, then I'll be good. If I can get to, if I can get to this next accomplishment, well, then, then it's going to be easy. And I'm just reminded by reading Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 that none of that's true. Life is going to be hard here on this earth. And there are going to be times where you and I get to a point where we say, I've had it. I would contend and suggest to you that the only real way to live life well is when we've had it, when we've had enough, when I am fed up to turn to Jesus for my strength and not let all the other distractions steal anything away. Well, that's the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to read more of this kind of encouragement, read the next nine verses today when you go home. Hebrews 12, verses 4 through 12. I'm uh, sorry, 4 through 13. It, it's fun. It actually, it actually gets into like more of a big brother tone. Like here at the beginning, it's a very, uh, the tone is very encouraging. We've got a great cloud of witnesses and all that. And basically the next, uh, the next nine verses say things like, <clears throat> you don't really have it that bad. You're not bleeding yet. So just keep going. I mean, that's not exactly how it says it, but you see in verse 4, it says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. That's kind of like, you don't really have it that bad. You're not bleeding yet, so just keep going. It says in verse 12, Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Kind of says, don't be a wimp. I'll let you read that stuff for yourself today. Think about how God might encourage you if you need that, that more if you need that more kick in the butt kind of encouragement, you might find it there. But Hebrews 12 is just fantastic for reminding us that it is important to persevere. It is important to press on. 
Because in this life, we will get to places where we have had enough. And God says, I know. And that's why he gave us Jesus Christ, who is more than enough for every need we've ever faced. Would you pray with me, church, as we consider how to really live this out and not just talk about it? Can we pray together? Lord God, we admit that our hearts and our minds, our attitudes and our actions have not always been focused on you. Lord, some of us have gotten wrapped up in just running whichever race we feel like we want to run, and we haven't given much thought to what you're actually calling us to. Lord, I ask that you would forgive us. Lord, some of us have, have gotten this idea in our heads that, that where we are is because we've accomplished all this. Lord, forgive us for being so proud. Lord, some of us have gotten in our minds that we can't go on anymore, that this life is impossible. Lord, forgive us for not taking seriously your promise that you would give us strength to endure whatever it is that we face. Lord, help us to remember to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ amidst all the distractions. With all the extra little blessings that come, on, <laughs> that come onto our radar, help us not to ever be distracted by our ultimate hope, which is Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to, um, to remember where real life comes from, where real strength comes from, and where real joy comes from. It comes from being absolutely surrendered to you. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to take these words to heart, and, and Lord, finally, thank you for the great cloud of witnesses, those we've known personally and those we've just read about. Thank you for the great cloud of witnesses, even those we've never met or heard at all about. Lord, I thank you for this great cloud of witnesses that seems to be cheering for us, at the very least has given an example for us. Thank you, God. Help us now as we leave this place, as we go back to whatever life is away from this room Lord, help us to live it absolutely sold out to you, running the race you've called us to with the strength that you've given us and knowing that it's only possible because of you and your son, Jesus Christ, and your powerful Holy Spirit, which fills us now. Lord, we call on you for help because we need you. Every hour we need you. We declare that we love you. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, church. Do not grow weary. Do not lose heart. Press on. Press on in this race to which God has called you. Run with, run with perseverance. Run with endurance. So you may receive the prize to which Christ has called you heavenward. Church, be blessed as you go from this place today, going with God's presence and God's power. In the name of Jesus, bless you until we see you again.